Jim Nagy previously served as a scout for the Seahawks. What does the senior bowl director think of Seattle's latest draft class? We're going to find out today with him as our special guest on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. One of our favorite episodes of the entire year is on tap. It's become an annual tradition, bringing our good friend Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, former NFL scout for the Seahawks and the Patriots, will be joining us to break down Seattle's incoming 2022 draft class and much more. Looking forward to his insight. Nobody knows the Senior Bowl and incoming senior prospects better than Jim Nagy. So it's going to be outstanding content. Glad to have you listening in. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Speaking of Seattle's draft class, they officially have their top 10 pick under contract. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reporting this morning that the Seahawks have agreed to terms with left tackle Charles Cross on his rookie four-year deal. Of course, there's a fifth-year option being a first-round pick. And what makes this such an interesting signing? Obviously, Rob, with the new CBA that's been put in place dating back to 2011, there's not the wild, wild west anymore when it comes to rookie contracts. Sam Bradford and Jamarcus Russell aren't negotiating for $400 bazillion on their rookie deal. That's not how it works anymore. All these contracts are slotted, but Charles Cross doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself, and he is the highest drafted player ever that fits that bill. The number nine overall pick, and he is representing himself. He did, he just finished up his first negotiation, getting his rookie deal done, over $20 million fully guaranteed, and nearly $13 million in a signing bonus. That's an impressive signing, even if it's a slotted contract. That's an accomplishment for this young man. It's a huge accomplishment. I mean, obviously, being the, the highest selected player ever to negotiate his own contract, that is just an acknowledgement of the young man's intelligence and perseverance uh, and independence in itself. Um, I, I'm sure that he is feeling pretty good about himself. He's not going to have to you know, give away that. And I should say give away, but the 3% or so that most agents receive um, when they are, are doing these kind of contracts, that's a pretty fat sum of money um, that Charles Cross is saving for himself. Um, and I think that given the fact that during this offseason, of course, Seattle um, decided to, to move away from another player who served as his own representation in the middle linebacker, Bobby Wagner, it just kind of it makes you feel good from a Seahawk perspective that they were. Um, able to you know break down through that negotiating barrier if there is such a thing um, to be able to work with Charles Cross to be able to get him signed in the bottom line um, and to be able to make sure that his transition from Mississippi State to the starting left tackle for the Seahawks for the Seattle Seahawks excuse me is a seamless one. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. You mentioned Bobby Wagner's situation. Wagner wasn't necessarily happy about the comment that John Schneider made about him being his own representative, complicating things in terms of trying to communicate with him that 
they were going to release him. I don't think that Schneider was meaning to take a shot at Wagner or that he was downplaying the idea that players could represent themselves. I don't think that's at all what John Schneider was trying to do. But you can understand Wagner's angst about it too, given the way that things played out and finding out over social media instead of from John Schneider and Pete Carroll themselves that he was going to be cut. Uh, That certainly made his exit uh, far worse than what it could have already been when you're moving on from a player like that. But going back to Charles Cross, I found it interesting, some of the comments that he made the day after he was drafted and reporters were asking about why he opted to represent himself. And I don't have word for word exactly what he said in front of me, but this was about challenging himself. He wanted to do something that was going to make him grow as a person. He wanted to better himself. And certainly learning the ins and outs of contracts and being your own representative. I don't know if you've seen an NFL contract, Rob. I have looked over a couple of them as a reporter. And I'll tell you what, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. And I had no idea what a lot of the offset language was that was built into those contracts. And so, again, this is a remarkable accomplishment for a young man coming into the NFL that left college after his junior year underclassman coming into the league who was consulting with former teammates, Jeffrey Simmons being one of them that does not have an agent. And he ended up using those consultations from former teammates to make his own decision, decided this is what I want to do. I want to save myself that money that I'd have to pay to an agent representing me. And I'm going to learn how to do these contracts and for him to get it done now at this stage, even with it being a slotted deal again, This is just a remarkable accomplishment. And now he gets the chance to move on from the contract. He doesn't have to worry about those negotiations anymore. And he can solely focus on winning the left tackle job, which right now he already looks to be the front runner getting all the first team reps in OTAs. Yeah, exactly. And again, that's one of the things I've been so impressed by with Charles Cross is, you know, I kind of made the mistake of, of, stereotyping him a touch in that we're talking about a very young player um, who did not have uh, his own representation, um, played in an air raid system. And and so there's all kinds of stereotypes that you you might be able to make from that. I mean, is he going to be able to run block? Does he have just the, 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 the natural intelligence, the work ethic, the desire to be able to take advantage of his true skill set, not just lean on his athletic ability the way that so many young players do. Um, and yeah, I think that this kind of speaks to Charles Cross's maturity. You talked about how he wanted to kind of challenge himself. I mean, he is facing the biggest athletic challenge that he's ever going to face in his entire life. And yet he wants more. And that's exactly why he's a top 10 selection. And that's why I think that the Seattle is ultimately going to be very, very happy with this selection. Again, it's not only because he's physically is a marvel. We talked about that before. And there's a reason why this young man was nicknamed Sweet Feet. But for him to show the desire, the heart to be great, um, whether it be on or off the field, I think is a kind of the indication of who he is as a man. And that is always one of the biggest challenges that you face. You can see who, who's athletic. You can see who's big and strong um, and all those kind of things. But you really can't peer into the, the heart of, of these players at that point. And yet Charles Cross is giving the Seattle um, and Seahawks fans uh, an opportunity to kind of glimpse just exactly who he is. And Pete Carroll and John Schneider, ever since they made this selection, one of the big selling points that they've been making to the fan base 
about this selection has been the character, the maturity that Charles Cross brings to the table. So I think that is the perfect word to sum up taking on a challenge like representing yourself when it comes to NFL contracts. Again, if the average fan saw an NFL contract and started to read through it, I think that they'd probably understand maybe a quarter of what's in there. I mean, it is a complicated agreement and there's a reason that players hire agents that specialize in contract negotiations because it's not easy for him to come in and do that. And the way that he's attacked his on-field stuff as well, the Seahawks have to be really fired up and feel like they made a great selection here, bringing in a balanced guy that has great athleticism, great work ethic, and obviously he's got a lot of other things going for him. He's a mature player coming into the league at 21 and a half years of age too. I mean, he's a young pop coming into the league. Now, these are all really good signs. And now the Seahawks only have three rookies left to sign. Boy, Mafe, Ken Walker the third, and Kobe Bryant. For fans that are wondering if there's a chance one of those guys could go into training camp without a contract, that's not going to happen. They're second and fourth round picks. Those players have slotted values for their contracts. Contracts are going to get signed. There's just not a rush necessarily this time of year to get it done. But all three of those guys will have contracts signed at some point. So the Seahawks have two-thirds of their draft class under contract, including their top 10 selection. They'll soon have all nine picks under contract as they get closer to training camp. Coming up next, speaking of this Seahawks draft class, there's not a better person out there to break down Every player that Seattle brought in in April, then Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl. We're going to be chatting with Jim for the rest of the show about a number of Seattle's prospects and what he expects from them as they join the Seahawks. You won't want to miss it. We've been asking and Built Delivered. Built Granola Bars are here. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These are so different from bars and puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate, 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. Built granola bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take in the road, or eat as a snack. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get Built Granola Bars, three delicious flavors to try. Go to Built.com right now to use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's Built.com. Use the code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's become somewhat of an annual occurrence. We're really fired up to bring back former Seahawks scout and senior bowl director Jim Nagy to the show. Thanks for joining us, Jim. And as always, you guys did a fantastic job this year bringing in an impressive talent pool to Mobile. Well, thanks for saying that. It's great being back on. I love talking Hawks. So uh, let's go. Let's get at it. So obviously you've been looking from afar for the past few years, running the Senior Bowl, taking a close look at what the Seahawks have done. You were a scout for the team for several seasons. How does this group, this nine-player class that John Schneider just brought in, three times as many as he had last year, by the way, how does this group stack up compared to previous draft classes, in your opinion? 
Uh, yeah, I think it's the best one they've had in probably 10 years. I think you got to go back to that Bobby and, and, and Russ draft. And, and uh, I think Bruce was in that draft. But, uh, you know, I do think the, there's a couple years over the last, you know, three, four years that uh, will look could look better now uh, with the new defensive philosophy in place. Uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see, like, there's some guys like Daryl Taylor and and uh, Jordan Brooks. I mean, I really feel like there's some young guys on that defense that could break out and make some of these more recent drafts look look a little better. But no, I think they they really stuck to their guns. They they got back to you know high character football guys, um, and, and I really liked it from top to bottom. I thought they did a great job, and that's just not uh, you know as a as a former uh, staff member there. I really do. I really think they picked a lot of good players. Excellent. Uh, you know, Jim, before we kind of break down some of the specifics of this 2022 draft class, I'm actually going to ask you to kind of go back in time a little bit. You know, uh, you know, as Corbin mentioned, of course, you were once a, a member of the Seahawks scouting staff. We have lots of uh, winning organizations over the years. But your very first year as uh, the, the director of the Senior Bowl, you invited several players in that class of 2019, and one of them being a record-breaking quarterback from Missouri, Drew Locke. Uh, regardless of how you feel about what he's done in the Denver Broncos since that time, can you just explain to our listeners what did you see from Drew Locke at Missouri that led for you to make him one of the very first quarterbacks that you invited to your game there in Mobile? Yeah, I was a I was a big Drew Locke fan, Rob. Um, and there's a lot to like, really. You know, you just look at the athlete. He was a power five level basketball recruit. Uh, he's got really nice feet, uh, live arm. I mean, you look at the production. The guy threw over 40 touchdowns as a junior in the SEC. Like, I was surprised he came back. I really thought he was going to come out, and we wouldn't we wouldn't have a, a shot at him at, at Senior Bowl. Um, so no, I think there's a there's a ton of talent there. You know, I think I think Coach Carroll made the point that if he were in this year's class, he would have been the first one picked. I wouldn't argue that. Um, I think it really matters where guys get taken, and, and I think that's really uh, magnified at the quarterback position. I, I think if you again, you look back at Drew's body of work in college, did a lot of good things at Missouri, really lifted that program and, and put up great numbers. Um, and then look what he did right out of the gate as a rookie in Denver, you know, going four and one as a starter in, in December down the stretch for that, you know, for that football team. And then you go into the next year and COVID hits and no off season. And there's just a lot of different factors at play. Um, but you got to look at when you're, when you're evaluating the quarterback, you got to look at everything around them, um, and kind of the organization and, and, you know, how they were groomed. So I'm not putting that all on Drew Locke. And again, I don't have a lot of time nowadays to watch NFL tape. So I don't know what Drew's Denver tape really looked like. I just know, you know, as a prospect coming out and then going four and one as a starter, as a rookie, I mean, those are some good signs. Um, he's got a lot to work with. So I'm, I know they're excited to work with him. Just talking to the guys up there, they were there. He was a big part of that trade. They really wanted to get him. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, hopefully this uh, a second lease on life for Drew with a good group of skilled players around him and, and running the football. And hopefully that defense, you know, makes the jump this year. Um, hopefully he's set up for success this year. Regardless of who's under center, whether it's Locke or Geno Smith getting his three starts they had last year and him being back, knowing the offense, the Seahawks completely overhauled their offensive line, doubling down at the tackle positions. Obviously, Charles Cross was not at the senior bowl and underclassman declaring early, but you did get to see Abraham Lucas. 
heralding from Everett, Washington, playing at Washington State, coming from air raid and run and gun offenses. How long do you think it's going to be till he's in the lineup? Does he have a chance to be a day one starter in your mind? Where is he at from a pro readiness standpoint? Yeah, I think, I think that was a great pick. Uh, you brought up Cross. I mean, uh, when I talked to John after the draft, I mean, you got your two starting tackles of the future. Um, and as we know, I mean, that's been a little bit of a, you know, that's been a kind of a constant rebuild on that offensive line, you know, trying to get back to that group, you know, the Super Bowl group that was really solid. You know, you look at that group that they went to the Super Bowls with was a really solid group, maybe not like one of the best in the NFL, but a group you could win with um, and was good in both phases. So, yeah, I think Abe's thing is just going to be like a lot of those guys coming out of that system is just the run game stuff. Um, I went back and watched a lot of the, the senior bowl stuff of him in the run game and um, it got better every day, which means I, I would be really interested to see what August looks like once they put on pads. Not a lot of takeaways in the offseason stuff for offensive and defensive linemen. There's just very few takeaways other than things athletically. So um, getting the pads on in August will be big for Abe, but uh, talented guy. Like I, I made the point a lot around the draft time. He made it look easy in the Pac-12. He really did. Like I think that speaks a little bit to the of you know where the Pac-12 is at right now. But he wasn't stressed a lot um, in that league at all. So he came down here. He faced some good people. And I thought he had a really good week. I really thought Abe did a nice job down here. I thought he would go in the second. I was surprised he slid to the third. I thought that, that was kind of a minor upset for me. Uh, but, yeah, I do think he's the starter of the future. I think Jake Curran did a great job last year coming in. And they're really, they're really different players. Abe's more of the athlete. You know, Jake is just a really tough, competitive, smart football player. And you can win a lot of games with guys like Jake, too. So, um, you know, the good thing is they've got themselves in a situation where they've got two viable, two young viable options at right tackle. Uh, and I think you could go back over recent years and, and maybe there wasn't one. Uh, now they've got two. So I think they're in a good spot there. I would 100% agree with you that they're in a good spot at the right tackle position with Abe Lucas and, of course, Jake Curran, as you mentioned. Um, you, you mentioned Charles Cross, and obviously as an underclassman, he was unable to participate in the senior bowl, as well as uh, you know the running back, Ken Walker. You know, but they're such high-profile players uh, that I'm, I'm just curious if you had any thoughts on, on them at all as well. Yeah, I had to watch those guys, Rob, just to kind of – you know, get myself in tune with the entire draft process. You know, I talk to a lot of teams and, and guys around the league that, that you know, want opinions on players. So I, I watch Cross. I mean, you talk about NFL ready. From a pass pro standpoint, I think he and A both. I mean, I think you'll be able to drop back and throw the football and feel good about your edges with both those guys in there. I think Cross, again, it'll be a little bit of a adjustment, just putting his hand in the dirt and coming off the ball with pad level and getting into people and sustaining blocks. Um and just really the speed of the game, working up to the second level, uh, things of that nature. So I think early in the year, um, I, I might see them coming out of the shoots throwing the ball more. I know that, you know, I think we all know Pete wants to be more of a run-heavy football team. But it would not surprise me if they were a little pass-heavy early and, and until, they, until they got those young guys up to speed in the run game. I think that would make sense. So, uh, no, Cross is, Cross is a really good player. And then... Kenneth Walker. Um, I'm familiar with Kenneth, uh, mostly from uh, our my alma mater, Michigan, getting run all over by Kenneth Walker this year. I think he had five touchdowns in that game against Michigan. So, um, 
that was a tough one for my Wolverines, but uh, but no, a really good football player fits what they want to be. gives them gives them that identity of a of a downhill physical runner, um, deceptively slippery, um, de- deceptively elusive, and uh, you know now you've got he and, and Chris Carson and and a guy you've got kind of a stable of backs there. Rashad Penny coming back, coming off a good year. Um, now they can sustain some injuries like they have. I mean, that position always gets beat up a little bit. It gives them another guy, um, gives them a young guy. So it's proven he can carry the load. So again, I like that pick as well. Um, I just wish he wouldn't have uh, put it on my my old team like he did. This episode of Locked on Seahawks is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and waging informational needs, from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. We're thrilled to have Jim Nagy, director of the Senior Bowl, former scout for the Seahawks and several other NFL teams, joining us on today's show. Jim, let's transition to the defensive side of the football because it seems like every year there are a couple of pass rushers that really have a breakout week in Mobile. And this year, there were a couple guys that jump out, but one in particular, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, a player who didn't start a lot of games for the Golden Gophers and had a limited experience his first couple of years of the college game, and yet just absolutely dominated throughout the week. Where do you see him fitting in early on with the Seahawks with this 3-4 style defense, and how high is his ceiling coming into the NFL? Uh, yeah, it's high. <laughs> Uh, you know, Boya was a guy that, that kind of steadily worked his way up our board over the course of the fall. And then I'd be lying to you um, if I told you I thought he was going to come down and, and do everything that he did during the week, including the game where he had two sacks. I mean, he was he was in the mix for MVP of the game because he had a couple sacks. He had a couple more TFLs. I mean, he was really active. And and the thing I love about Boya when he does get to the quarterback, he's got a knack for getting the ball out, too. And I, I really think that's a knack type thing. Um, I was in Kansas City for a lot of years with with uh, Tom Bahali, who whenever he got around the quarterback, that that seemed like that ball seemed like it was coming out. So uh, boy, he's got that. And, you know, just talking to his agent through the process, Mike McCartney, um, you know, he had he had Aiden Hutchinson as well. And those guys were all training in California together. And he called me. Um, this is before the senior bowl. Just kind of we we're talking through his guys and he was talking telling me about how boy was doing. He's like, man, he's like all this pre this initial testing these guys are doing out at the workout facility, like boy is ahead of Hutchinson and everything. He's 261, 262 pounds or whatever Mike told me was that day vertical jumping 41 inches. And, you know, I mean, just crazy athletic stuff. And then he comes down here. And the, the great thing is you see that you see that first step explosion, you know, you see the ability to go speed to power. Um, again, he's just got a, a really high upside because you know, technically, um, I think there's a lot of things he can get better at. And I think the three, four is a great fit for him more than athletic enough to play on his feet and be a stand up linebacker. I think that's a better fit than him going to an, to an even front team. Um, so where he fits right away to, to, uh, to long windedly answer your question. Um, he's got a factor in the, in the, in the sub downs packages at, at, at some point. Um, you know, I would think that would be right away every down, 
I'm not sure that would, I, I would think that would probably be more towards the end of year one into year two. Um, but with his athleticism and his ability to come off other people, uh, you'd be able to scheme him and then just being able to win one-on-one -on -one with his athleticism, that's stuff that I think they'll be able to get production out of right away. Yeah, again, I, I agree with you. Um, I, one of the things that, uh, that I was really excited about and going back to, to Mobile for the Senior Bowl was I just really thought this was an extraordinary defensive backs class. Um, and, and I was excited to see Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, everybody talks about Sauce Gardner, obviously. Um, and we already kind of touched upon Abe Lucas, one of my favorite of Seattle's middle round selections. But, but Kobe Bryant... Um, obviously, is the Thorpe Award winner. We all know that. But one of the things that really stood out to me is just kind of the opposite of what you just spoke about with Mafe. And that not not to say that that Brian is not a, a top notch athlete. He certainly is a quality athlete, but it is the technique. It's the awareness that he already uh, offers. And I guess one of the things I'd ask, Jim, is, is that, you know, being at the, at the senior bowl this year, where we had one of the practices was, um, you know, basically pushed underneath, uh, you know, a, a kind of like a practice bubble type of a, of a situation due to the weather. And that was the practice where I got on the field and was actually able to see kind of Kobe Bryant staying after practice and working with, you know, his so-called new teammates there um, and really just kind of showed who he was as a competitor, um, who he was as a teammate, just his focus are there other players that you noticed um, and, and Kobe Bryant as well that, that really had just kind of, you thought maybe wired right um, from Seattle's draft class, either this year or in past years. And again, your, your answer can be focused on Kobe if you'd like, but I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to kind of other players that you think maybe are wired right, that you think are going to allow them to have success maybe earlier in their NFL career than some of the other guys that were drafted higher. Well, I think Kobe's a good one to talk about, Rob, because I'm with you. To me, Kobe's a good athlete. Like if we're rated, grading him on a scale, on Seattle scale, he would be a six-level athlete, um, which is a good athlete. Um, but he, he, the things you love about him are like you talked about, just the maturity level. Uh, when you talk to when you talk to the coaching staff up at Cincinnati about this past year's group, and I think we had six or seven of them in the Senior Bowl. Um, they, they, they immediately give credit to, to Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, um, for, for that culture change, like really getting a group of five to be the first group of five team to the college football playoff. Like something needs to happen. They're like something special needs to happen. And they, they credit Des. And then on the flip side, the next player out of their mouth is, is always um, Kobe Bryant on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, no knock on DBs, but you don't usually hear about that kind of leadership from the cornerback position. You usually hear about that, you know, at linebacker or maybe an alpha on the defensive line. Uh, but with Kobe, it was just his professionalism, his maturity, how much he loves football, really raising the bar for everyone else on that side of the ball for Cincinnati. So you love that about him. And then the other thing is, is uh, outside of the instincts, like you talked about in the awareness um, in, the, in the ball skills, is, is just he's battle-tested, right? I mean, Sauce Gardner was super talented. It, it didn't take long to pop on the tape and see that. Um, I thought he was the best corner in the draft. Um, I think he's going to be a really good pro. But people threw at Kobe, right? And, and people targeted him. And everyone makes the point of, well, Sauce Gardner didn't give up this. He didn't give up that. Well, it's because they were throwing over at Kobe and look what Kobe did. So um, he's used to that. He, he's, he's, you know, not that he was getting picked on. I just, he was a beneficiary of getting a lot of targets and uh, that's going to serve him really well at the next level. I mean, this guy is, 
He's mentally tough. He, you can't break him. Um, I just think he's wired perfectly to come into the NFL and really play right away. To me, he's not a guy that you need to sit. I mean, I, I don't think sitting will benefit him at all. I think he's ready to go. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I really don't know that we've ever seen a ball of clay come into the NFL like Tariq Bullen. I mean, Pete Carroll, I, I can only imagine his reaction when he was able to get a guy of this size, this length, this athleticism. There had never been anybody like him at the Combine, at least documented. And getting him in the fifth round, what did you see from Woolen in Mobile? And what is a realistic timeline in your mind for him to get some defensive snaps? for the Seahawks. Yeah, he is, uh, you, you nailed that. He is, a, he is a ball of clay now. Um, I was surprised somewhat with that kind of rare physical talent. I don't throw out the term rare loosely at all. Um, or the word freak, like he's, people throw freak around a lot. Like if there, there, there's not many freaks though. Um, Tariq at whatever Tariq ended up being six foot three with, you know, 30, three or 34 inch arms and running four, two, six or whatever he ran. I mean, those are all time combine stuff. And, uh, you know, we started watching him a year ago at this time and, uh, I'll just bring it back to that. So last spring when we started watching UTSA film, it, knowing that he was a first year corner on the tape, we were watching his junior tape just, just had made the move from wide receiver was his willingness to put his face on people and strike people. Um, like all the quick game stuff, he's triggering downhill and just in laying the wood. So that made you feel feel good about the mentality, right? Like he's not some former wide out that's just out there trying to finesse people. And, you know, he was not afraid of contact at all. He was actually, you know, out there seeking contact. So you felt good about how he was wired. Um, and then obviously the physical stuff. And then you fast forward to this year, he spent a full off season with a, uh, uh, his position coach played in the NFL, played DB in the NFL. So he got really good coaching. Um, all the experience started to materialize. You saw things slow down for him. He was recognizing routes better, just had a better, good, better understanding on leverage. Um, you know, where he fits in Seattle, like, I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do coverage wise. Um, I know he would have been an awesome throwback old school Pete Carroll press corner. Um, I don't know how they're going to play him now. Um, but man, I mean, there's, you know, in terms of length and speed and physicality, there hasn't been a guy like him in a while. So to get him in the fifth round, I think that shows you where the league saw Tariq a little bit that they thought he was maybe a little, a little ways off. Um, but I do think he's going to be an immediate difference maker in the kicking game. I think as a gunner and a vice in kickoff cover, I think this guy's going to be, um, you know, who's our guy that who's our, uh, wide receiver, 83 Lockett, Ricardo Lockett. Like Lockett, I think yeah. in terms of height, weight, speed, you could see a Lockett, a Ricardo type player in the kicking game. And, uh, and then we'll see on the defensive stuff, but I'll say this also about Tariq. He really wants to be good guys. Like I spent a lot of time with him. I flew to UTSA and personally gave him his invite. He was one of the guys we did that with this year. And I know you've probably seen him at OTAs. Like you can see the measurables on paper, 6'3", 210, whatever, and then you get up on this guy, and he, he seems even bigger. Like, this is a huge human being for that position, and he really wants it. He really wants to be great. Um, so I'm excited to see what they can do with him up there. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what, what he, uh, you know, turns out to become as, as well. I agree. I think that most immediately we'll, we'll see his impact on uh, on special teams. And that, I guess, would kind of tie in with my my next question here. 
um, with Bo Melton, the wide receiver uh, at a Rutgers, you know, obviously a, a productive career with the Scarlet Knights, uh, you know, had, had some real flashes at the Senior Bowl um, as well. You know, Seattle has had a lot of wide receivers that are kind of similarly built as Bo Melton that had some success. And everybody kind of focuses in on guys like Doug Baldwin, but as, as well as, you know, Dion Branch or, uh, you know, Bobby Ingram, some of these kind of shorter quicker wide receivers with, with reliable hands. Is, is there anybody, whether it be a former Seahawk or anybody else in the league that kind of reminds you or Bo Melton reminds you of uh, that player in the NFL? Uh, he reminded me a little bit of Troy Brown when I did him. Uh, that's why someone in the Boston media reached out. Um, Mike Reese, uh, who does such a great job up in the Boston market, reached out before the draft and asked for um, – who I thought were Patriot fits. Um, and one of the guys I, I thought was Bo Melton, um, just because he's got such a great package for the slot. I think he's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. No, you know, nothing. I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to say anything about the support and cast at Rutgers, but they struggled getting the football consistently um, in a position where he could, where he could run with it. And that's really one of, that's maybe Bo's best strength is his, his run after catch. Um, He's very sturdy. He plays bigger than his size measurables, kind of like Doug did. Um, he can break tackles. He bounces off a lot of contact. He's extremely tough. He's got a little running back to him when he gets the ball in his hands. And then what you didn't see at Rutgers, he ran a really limited route tree, whereas you, you, you looked at what he did here in Mobile, I mean, running true slot routes. I mean, he's some of the option route stuff where he's having to, you know, pivot and, you know, some of the release stuff where he's gliding and breaking stuff off. I mean, really, really cool stuff and the release and the top of the route that you didn't really get to see at Rutgers film. So and then he goes to the combine and he runs four, three, four or four, three, six or whatever he ran. So, you know, I'll just bring it back to my time in New England. Wes Welker was an unbelievable player for us. And Wes ran four, seven flat. So, you know, this guy was four, three, five, and he's quick. He's as quick as Wes was, and he's three tenths as fast, you know, two and a half tenths faster. Um, again, I thought I thought that was really the steal of the draft I, uh, for the for the Seahawks. I thought that Bo would go in the fourth or the fifth, uh, and he lasted as long as he did. Um, again, I, th I thought he had a great week down here, and he's a guy that I just think is going to get open and be tough and um, make a lot of plays after the catch for that football team. As always, Jim, we greatly appreciate your insight. Obviously, nobody knows the Senior Bowl inside and out like you do, being the director, seeing all these players, I being able to watch their film. <laughs> and so the opportunity to hear from you on these picks is always uh, one of our favorite episodes the entire year, and we always look forward to it. Before we let you go, I got to throw this question at you real quick, because last year it turned out you, you ended up being a little bit of a prophet when it came to Jay Curhan because you were telling us that you had him rated above Stone Forsythe, and he ended up playing a lot more snaps than what Stone Forsythe did last year. So I don't know how closely you've monitored the undrafted guys that the Seahawks have brought in, but are there any players from that group that you could see potentially being a Jake Curhan type this year that ends up playing some snaps or at least makes the team coming out of training camp? Yeah, is uh, I would say they signed the Nebraska safety, right? Deontay Williams, did they sign Deontay? Yep. Um, I thought he was a draftable level player. And I think the thing that hurt him was the age factor. Um, and that hurt him a little bit, a little bit with, our, with us at our game too. We were trying to, you know, and guys, I think, I think Deontay's 25 or going to be 25 as a rookie, but in terms of working your way onto a roster and then eventually developing, it's going to be through special teams. 
And Deontay, um, again, it's another guy. I'm sure you've seen all these guys at this point. Um, he's a big, good-looking, long, um, you know, lean-bodied guy that will run and hit. He's physical. Um, I just thought he had really good tape. And I think he's a guy that's going to could, could make his way onto a 53-man roster. And then from there, that's when you get your chances, right? And, and we'll see where that goes. Um, but I do think he's a guy that's a make-it player at the next level, uh, primarily as a team's player uh, because of the run and hit factor in the athlete. I know that I know the Nebraska coaching staff. I mean, they could, a year ago they called me on Deontay and they were really high on him. Um, you know, back in the old Seahawks system, I wouldn't. I mean, I could have seen them trying to trying him at corner as a press corner because he's so long and he can run. Um, so maybe that's a name to look out for during camp and see if he's showing up in these in these uh, you know on special teams in the preseason games. So you heard at 12s, Deontay Williams is the name that we need to be watching. Maybe this year's Jay Curhan can sneak onto the 53-man roster. It's going to be a lot harder for the undrafted guys this year since there's not three draft picks. But as always, Jim, greatly appreciate having you on. Great insight on the draft class. And we'll be monitoring closely the players that are going to be coming to next year's Senior Bowl, including, uh, obviously, the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, I, I hope that – I hope our guy, Drew Locke, uh, does his thing this year and, and kind of gets them in the gets them where they don't have to pick a quarterback. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll be all over the quarterbacks again this year. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It's always great coming on with you. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can also follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Thursday episode, Rob and I will be breaking down observations from Tuesday's OTA session, and we'll be taking a close look at slot receivers on the offensive side of the football. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.